he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast, which a woman took and hid in a bushel of wheat flour until the yeast had worked its way through all the dough. Amen. Sometime in May, a guy named Trey Kennedy, who's a kind of YouTube comedian, released a video with the title, Day One in Quarantine versus Day 50. On day one, you see him showered and dressed in business casual. Yep, I'm getting dressed like I'm going to work. It just does a lot for me mentally. Day 50, as he slouches into the kitchen in sweatpants, his roommate asks, is that your sixth day in those clothes? Yeah, it's stuck to me at this point, so... Day one, 7 a.m., getting my coffee going. That's my routine. I just want to stick to it. Day 50, as he hits the snooze button on his alarm. 10.45, woo, earliest this week. Day one, call me crazy, but I think I'm going to start my own sourdough. Day 50, opening the oven. It's not rising. Did you not let it proof enough? We've done this 50 days in a row. The sourdough bread joke works for him because, weirdly enough, it's what everyone seemed to be doing at the time. Back in, February and late, uh, back in late February and early March, we all made a few last trips to the grocery store to stock up on essentials, and weird things were out of supply. Some people filled their broom closets with toilet paper. Some people bought about 300 diapers. And all across America, yeast and flour disappeared from grocery store shelves. Now, I understand where this urge came from. Baking your own bread can be a soothing way of reconnecting with physical reality after a long day of Zoom meetings and digital worship. It makes you feel self-sufficient, like you too could scratch out a living in a little house on the prairie, and even if you can't buy anything else in the store, at least you've got bread. And I suppose at the end of the day, in a months-long quarantine, it's something to do. Once you've exhausted all the other options for late winter and early spring indoor entertainment, you can always sit and watch bread rise. It's become such a cultural trope of sorts that even just this morning in our adult forum, when Lisa was talking about mindful mending, she talked about the space and the time that we have right now, and the example that she pointed to was sourdough bread baking. I love this uh, trend that's come up, although I was very disappointed that I couldn't find any whole wheat flour. This is Greater Boston. I couldn't find any whole wheat flour in the store for months and months, because I actually do a lot of bread baking. I've spent probably months, when you add it up, months of my life waiting for yeast to do its slow work. I have been a bread machine baker, a sourdough baker, that no-need overnight bread, I've done that, and I've occasionally baked some standard-issue packet of yeast bread in the oven. But even more waiting than this has come from my three or four years brewing my own beer, which is a hobby that is all about delayed gratification. A loaf of bread, you might have to wait a few hours or even a whole day or a couple days for sourdough. But a batch of beer takes about six weeks from start to finish. My favorite early yeast memory, though, is one of actually my earliest memories of childhood. We were on vacation. We'd brought one of my favorite babysitters with us. And I remember 
so clearly in the way that only a scent memory can really get lodged in your brain. I remember baking pretzels together on vacation. We didn't really bake a lot of bread at home when I was growing up, and so this, these pretzels were my earliest yeast experience. And I still remember so clearly what she said to me when I asked what the yeast was that we were pouring into the dough. She told me, I was probably seven at the time, that yeast is a tiny living organism. I remember that phrase so clearly 20-something years later. Whether you're talking about bread rising or beer brewing, though, fermentation is not a very complicated process. Yeast are a simple eukaryotic fungi. Okay, now I'm making it complicated. Yeast are little creatures that eat up simple sugars and carbohydrates and turn them into carbon dioxide gas and alcohol. If you've ever baked bread, you know that the point is the carbon dioxide. As the gas is slowly puffed out by the yeast, the dough rises, and what little alcohol has been produced kind of bakes off in the oven. Brewer's yeast, of course, is just the other way around. Over weeks and weeks and weeks, the yeast slowly convert all the sugars and carbohydrates into wort. Did you know that unfermented beer is called wort? You do now. And they convert that sugar into alcohol with a, a little bit of bubbly gas on the side. And so it is, Jesus says, with the kingdom of heaven. What could he possibly mean by this is one of my favorite parables in the entire Bible. I've actually been waiting to preach this sermon for probably years now. And there are a few things that I love about Jesus' image of leaven, of yeast, for the kingdom of heaven. We are, all of us, citizens of that heavenly kingdom, members of a heavenly community, followers of a heavenly ruler, living our lives together here on earth. And like little yeast cells sprinkled into a batch of dough, as it slowly rises on some baker's sunny windowsill, we go about our lives almost unaware that we're part of a larger process. Day after day, we slowly churn away at our work. Sometimes we feel like we're making a breakthrough as a little pocket of air opens up around us and we see what we've done. Sometimes we feel like we're hardly doing anything at all, just chewing on the same problems hour after hour. And yet, minute by minute, day by day, year by year, borne up by our collective exhalations, the dough of our world begins to rise and change. So I wonder, what is the sugar that you're chewing on these days? What are you taking in from the world and transforming? What are you giving back out into the world right now? Maybe you're taking in a neighbor's phone call for help and transforming it into a bag of groceries on their doorstep. Maybe you're accepting other people's love and care and transforming that love within yourself into gratitude and giving it back to them. In either case, whether you give or receive these acts of love, you breathe in and out the Holy Spirit, the divine wind that slowly helps the bread of our world to rise. So that's the first thing that I love about this image of yeast, is this idea of our own small work creating something we can't see or imagine. But the second thing I love about the image of yeast is that in Jesus' day, they didn't know that there was any such thing as yeast. Or more particularly, they didn't know that there was a tiny living organism, a little microbiological cell called yeast. 
What they did know was leaven. They did know, even if they didn't have those little packets of Red Star or those little jars of Fleischmann's, they did know that if you took some of the old risen dough and you mixed it into a, a new batch of flour and water, that leaven would spread. That if you took all the sludge at the bottom of a batch of beer and you dumped it into a new batch, it would begin to turn into more beer. They did understand, in other words, that leaven begets leaven, that yeast begets yeast, that bread does not start spontaneously rising on its own. If it does, it's actually wild yeast drifting through in the air. But that our leavening always comes from somewhere else, mixed into our lives. This means that just as we have learned to love from other people, so our love also spreads the ability to love to other people. Each one of us learned from spiritual mentors and teachers and parents all around us and for generations before us. And like a sourdough starter passed down for years, we carry within ourselves, within our own DNA, generations of love that have shaped and formed us into the people we are, doing the things that we do right now. And we, in turn, spread that leavening to others. The love that we show begets more love until that little lump of leaven has spread into a huge amount of dough. And I love the number that Jesus picks here. I think our translation says a bushel. You'll sometimes see three measures. A measure in this case, in the old Hebrew measuring system, was nearly 20 pounds. And so Jesus is talking about 60 pounds of flour, a huge amount leavened by just a little lump mixed in at the beginning and given time. So who, I wonder, was your sourdough starter in life? Where did you learn to love your neighbor, to care for your family, to work for justice in your world? And, and this I think is the harder question for most of us, whose dough have you leavened in turn? Whom have you inspired without even knowing it, simply by being the per person who you are, simply by spreading the way that you are into the world? Now, so far I've said a lot about us, about our work, about ourselves as the yeast and all the things that we do, all of the hard work, the hard, slow work that we do to transform the world around us. You'll sometimes hear people in churches like ours talk about this kind of work as building the kingdom of God. Usually when people say this, they mean something like improving the world or working for social justice. And I think that these things really are important parts of Jesus' image of the leaven as the kingdom of heaven. All of our small actions of love and peace and justice really do add up to a larger transformation. And yet you'll sometimes hear this idea criticized by other Christians, not without reason. It can come as a little arrogant. You are going to build the kingdom of God? Only God can bring about God's will for our world. And that's why we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're asking God to come and set things right because we know that we can't bring about God's kingdom on earth, whatever that means sets up a kind of conflict within Christianity. 
Do we call our activity building the kingdom of God and risk arrogantly assigning our own politics to divine will? Or do we sit back and pray, come Lord Jesus, and wait for God to fix everything without us while our neighbors suffer? Of course, it's a false dichotomy, and one of the things that preachers get to do is create false dichotomies in order to solve them for you. But for me, sincerely, Jesus' image of the leaven really does help with this question. If a loaf of bread is going to be good, after all, it needs healthy yeast. It needs to rise. It needs to be proofed just right. But if a loaf of bread is going to be bread, it needs a baker to come in from the outside and put it in the oven. No matter how hard the yeast are working, no matter how well risen a ball of dough is, it simply cannot by itself ever become a loaf of bread. In other words, it is vital that we do our yeasty work of leavening the world, that we spread love and justice, that we try to create a dough that is more risen than it was when we arrived. And yet we will always need that push from the outside, that disruptive divine intervention into our world to punch the dough down and knead it, to shape and form it into something new and to transform it into something similar to dough, rooted in dough, and yet almost unimaginably different from dough. As anyone who's ever eaten a slice of bread and anyone whose child has ever tried to eat a lump of raw dough could tell you. And so my final wondering is this. I wonder what our oven is, St. Anne's. I wonder what it is that we need to turn our half-baked plans and dreams into God's divine reality. I wonder what fiery process, other than the obvious, is transforming us right now into the people, into the church, into the community who we were always meant to be. May God give us the strength to become it and the fire to bake us into that loaf of bread. Amen.